We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, the Best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, January the 21st, 2021. On today's show, we continue along with the season preview series for Gamecocks baseball today. I'm breaking down the South Carolina relievers heading into 2021 baseball season. We'll break it all down. Key losses, who's back, most approved, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the guys as well, as we creep closer and closer to opening day. Also, of course, your listener questions. And speaking of great Gamecock relievers, former Former South Carolina closer Tyler Johnson joined me for interview. Tyler, great dude. Appreciate him taking his time. We break down everything from his Gamecocks baseball career to his professional career. A lot of great stuff in the interview, guys. Sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company, by the way. They are a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. The movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just invested in the success of the project as you are. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service, guys. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, if you have any questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Com. The show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, it's that time of year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. It's time for the NFL playoffs. Guys, you've waited and watched all year long as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, whatever it may be. But now, it's your turn to win big. And guys, you've heard the name just about everywhere, MyBookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why with thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college ball, check, check, and check. Hey, MMA and soccer, they've got that too. They've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket, guys. You can visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000 all by just using the promo code GAMECOCKS. That's promo code GAMECOCKS when you make your first deposit. And, guys, the best part is this. They make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Guys, whether you're at home or on the go on your laptop or your phone, it's never too late to make your New Year's resolution 
a resolution to get paid. Guys, bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. Let's get it. guys happy thursday hope you're all doing well i'm your host chris phillips of the spurs up show as always appreciate you guys tuning in we got a packed show today very excited because anytime baseball is at the front and is leading the podcast you know i'm fired up you know i'm fired up we're talking baseball continuing along with the season preview series today the position to preview breaking down the gamecocks relievers we're talking the bullpen the guys in the back end who are throwing gas for South Carolina who are going to win and lose a lot of ball games this season we're breaking that down but again guys thank you so much for tuning in hope you're all having a fantastic day whether you're in the office on the commute on the way home or maybe you had the day off whatever it may be thank you so much for tuning in got a really exciting show today also have a great interview with Tyler Johnson that I mentioned in the intro Tyler an awesome dude we had a great conversation so again stay tuned later in the show for that But without further ado, again, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Like I said, guys, as I've told you before, maybe you missed the Tuesday show, what have you. We are breaking down as we are now just 29 days away from opening day. I am breaking down each and every single position unit for South Carolina baseball. On Tuesday, we did starting pitchers. Today, we're doing relievers or bullpen, if you will. I think next week, we'll do first base and second base. The following week, shortstop and third, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to opening week, and then we'll do a full season preview. I'll give my predictions. All that good stuff. So really exciting stuff. Really exciting time to be a Gamecock fan. So like I said, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it again. We are talking South Carolina relievers going into this 2021 baseball season and a really key position and a really key role, not just for South Carolina, obviously, but every baseball team, but especially the Gamecocks. When you think about, you know, especially in college baseball, Games are won and lost. You know, they say baseball is broken up into thirds. The games are broken up into thirds. And that's how teams approach the games, right? Try to win each of the three innings. Try to win each of the thirds. First three innings, next three innings, and the final three innings. And South Carolina, the last couple of years, for whatever reason, has at times struggled, has struggled mightily in those last three innings. Um, whether it's injuries, whether it's not being able to find guys to fill those roles, whether it's inconsistencies, that's definitely a thing that has plagued this group. For whatever reason, you've had your struggles. I think going into this season, though, you have the opportunity to have one of the best bullpens you've had in quite a while. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Key losses for this group, and this is where it's exciting. When we're talking key losses, who's back? Because you take a look, South Carolina's not really losing anybody except Graham Lawson. You look at Graham Lawson, uh, was drafted or signed a free agent deal, if you will, Outside of that, though, when you look at who's back, the names, God, the guys, the list of names and guys that have thrown big innings for South Carolina. I mean, just going down the list again: Brett Carey, Cam Tringali, Danny Lloyd, Parker Coyne, John Gilreath, Brett Thomas, and I'm not even factoring in the new guys. 
Travis Loonsman, Sam Swigert, CJ Wines, Cade Austin, Jack Mahoney, Will Sanders, uh, Mag Cotto might be in the bullpen. Jackson Phipps might be in the bullpen. There are a ton of guys and a ton. RJ Danton's another one. Josiah Seitler's another one. Guys who threw for you last year and have thrown big innings and have shown a lot of promise. Again, you look back to last year. I remember vividly when I talked about the bullpen last year. I thought it was going to be the best 7, 8, 9 in regards to guys filling those roles. Because I think last year I projected it would be uh, Cam Tringali in the seventh inning role, Graham Lawson as, as the setup man in the eighth inning, and then Danny Lloyd closing it out as the Gamecocks closer. Of course, we all know how last year started. Brett Carey started in the starting rotation, then was moved back to the bullpen. And I think that was a really, really good move for South Carolina because it allowed Thomas Farr to slide in the starting rotation. And I think he fits a little more. Whatever it is with Brett Carey, his game and his mindset and the way that he attacks really fits well as a stopper in that bullpen. But again, you take a look at who you lost and who's back. And I think this is why Mark Kingston is really excited, not just about the bullpen, but the entire pitching staff, because you have a really nice mix of, you got a ton of dudes back, but, and the dudes you have back, by the way, these are guys that like, you remember guys like Danny Lloyd as a true freshman. We're talking about a guy that had to start on a Friday because of all the injuries that you had in 2019. Now you look at him, he's coming to his own, got a few seasons under his belt, he's gotten bigger, stronger, throwing a lot harder. He's just one example, though, of guys who have kind of been weathered through the SEC grind, and now you're looking at to take that next step and say, hey, be that dude. And I really thought this bullpen was going to be a strength of this team last year, and unfortunately, we didn't really get to see that due to the season being cut short. And you take a look at some of the stats. I mean, John Gilreath, five and two-thirds innings pitch, didn't give up a run. Graham Lawson was really good in his limited action. Six innings pitch at a 1.5 ERA. You take a look at Cam Tringali, really, really good for you out of the bullpen. Ten and two-thirds innings pitch, had a 3.38. Brett Carey, 15 innings pitch, 3.6. Parker Coyne, eight innings pitch, did have a 4.5. I know Danny Lloyd got off to a rough start because he had nine innings pitch with a six ERA um, gave him and really the, the five walks is what killed him. Five walks, but 13 strikeouts um, in those nine innings. Um, but you, you got a lot of good experience coming back. And like I said, and then a really nice mix of guys that are newcomers. Like I said, a Sam Swigert who's up to 92 miles an hour. Travis Loonsman, who was 93 to 95. Uh, CJ Wines was 92 to 94, touching 95. Kate Austin, um, sitting high 80s or excuse me, 91, 92 for a lot of the fall. Um, you know, Jack Mahoney touched 96. You got guys that are throwing hard. Will Sanders is another guy, six foot six righty guys. Mark Kingston actually said during the fall, he thinks he might hit a hundred one day. So you, you've got a lot of good options in the bullpen. And the biggest thing will be determining like who, who, who wins those jobs, who wins those roles for South Carolina baseball. When we talk most to prove, and again, I, I forget who I had in this role last year, but I, I have a good feeling of who I think it was. But most to prove for me, again, there are a lot of good options, but as many good options as there are, there are guys that are unproven. And this was a guy last year I actually projected to be a starter. I, I thought he had starter stuff, and he actually ended up being the Gamecocks closer, and I think it's a good role for him. But the guy for me, and I just mentioned his stats that has the most to prove, is right-handed pitcher Danny Lloyd. And the reason I say that is because, again, didn't really get to see a ton last year. I mean, nine innings pitched, uh, had eight appearances overall for South Carolina. He did have one save, but just too inconsistent, just flat-out too inconsistent. I think we all think back to that Northwestern series last year. And, you know, he was really, really good at times. And the guy has phenomenal stuff. And that's the reason he is my most to prove, because I feel like the ceiling – 
is so high for Danny Loy. Like, this is a dude with big-time, legit stuff. This is a guy who could be the best closer South on has had since a Tyler Johnson, since a Matt Price. Like, I really think his, his fastball-slider combo is as good as they come, guys. Bottom line. His fastball-slider combo is as good as they come. I remember watching him last year in scrimmages and inter-squads and stuff. Dude was unhittable. I mean, he was flat-out unhittable. But for whatever reason, you've just seen a lot of inconsistencies. And when you have your closer back there, because I think Danny Lloyd's going to be your closer again. I really do. That's got to be a guy, man, that you every time you throw him out there, you know what you're getting. Like, you know what to expect. Again, is he going to be perfect? No. Is he probably going to blow a save at one point this year? Probably so. Everybody does. They all do. It's baseball, right? It's a game of, of random occurrences, and it can happen. But to me, we need to see Danny Lloyd take the next step. Like, we need to see him solidify that late-game role. Because, again, there's just, to me, there's just been too much inconsistency, and this guy is too good, and his stuff is too good for, I think, some of the struggles that we've seen at the end of games. Um, and I know it frustrates fans, obviously, because, again, you get late in a game with a lead, and you blow it, and you're like, God, like, I thought we had this figured out. And the last thing you want to have happen, especially going into SEC play, is not know who your closer is or not have confidence in your closer. Because it's all a confidence thing with the closer, too. These guys, it's all mental for them. You know what I mean? Putting, you know, hope. You hope what you hope can happen is early in the season, these non-conference games, you run him out there a few times, he's able to get a couple of saves under his belt, get the confidence up. So that way, once you hit SEC play, he's feeling good. Right, He's like, nobody can touch me. That's how you have to act and think as a closer. Like, bro, nobody can touch me. My stuff is unhittable. Whether it is or it isn't, you got to think that way. You have to. It's a mental game. And so, again, for me, Danny Lloyd has the most to prove because the stuff is there. The, there's no question the stuff is there. Absolutely no question. Again, you can't really pick apart his stats from last year because, I mean, he only had eight appearances. You know what I mean? It's It's... Um. Yeah, he only had eight appearances. There, there's not much you can pull from that, you know. But you're talking about a guy that throws 96 and has the slider cutter change up secondary pitches. I, I mean, the fastball slider. I'm telling you guys is as good as you will see. It's as good as you will see. Really, it is. And I'm excited for Danny Lloyd. I was excited for him last year. And again, I, I think he has the potential to be one of the better closers in this league. Bottom line. But it's all mental. It's all because at that point, again, when you have the stuff, it's just all mental at that point. And again, I know fans have been frustrated with the bullpen specifically over the past few years of guys not throwing strikes, not filling up the zone. I think Danny Lloyd, that is the biggest hurdle is mentally just just getting out of his own head. Just get out of your own head. Let your stuff work. You know, it's like in golf when guys tell you or when people tell you, you know, teachers will say, uh, let the club do the work, right? I always tell my buddies that, hey, you don't have to swing harder. You don't have to do anything different with your hands or your grip or whatever. Just let the club do the work. You're hitting a 60-degree wedge. That club's going to do the work for you. And it's the same way like when you're throwing a changeup in baseball. You have a different grip. Let the grip do the work. You do the same exact thing with your throwing motion. Same exact thing, but let the grip do the work. For Danny Lloyd, I think sometimes he tries to do too much. It's just, you know, again, I'm not in his head. I don't know. But it's like when your stuff is that good, at some point you got to say, hey, to hell with it. I'm going to throw it right in the middle and see if you can hit it or not. I mean, bottom line, I know that sounds crazy, but 
I, I think what I've seen from Danny Lloyd at least last year, maybe, and again, it, it's hard to judge. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm nitpicking a little bit, but, you know, when you're trying to paint corners, paint corners, and you get behind 2-0, hey, there's a lot of hitters that can hit a fastball if it's 90. I, it don't matter how hard you're throwing. You get a 2-0 and they know a fastball's coming, you're in a tough spot. So, again, Danny Lloyd, for me, the most approved, and I put him here because, again, I think he's got the potential to be one of the better closers in the SEC and one of the better closers South Carolina has seen in quite a while. Like, I, this is easily a double-digit saves guy. Easily. I think he can hit 20 saves. I really do. But you got to go out there and be the same exact dude for South Carolina. Like Mark Kingston, Skylar Mead, they need to know who you're going to be on a day-in, day-out basis. They need to know who you're going to be. That's the biggest thing, the consistency with Danny Lloyd. It ain't a lack of stuff. Kids got stuff. He's going to be the closer, bottom line. You got to be consistent, though. Got to be consistent. Let's talk best overall. And for me, this is a name that many, many fans recognize. And the best overall to me, it's no secret, right-handed pitcher Brett Carey. Uh, I, you know, I think that it was a good idea last year, I think, to have him in the starting rotation. Like, I have no issues with that at all. I think Coach Kingston and – you know, you were obviously looking for that number three starter, and, um, you know, they were going back and forth between Farr and, and Jordan and Carey, and I think Farr was even coming off like an arm injury or something like that. So I think it made sense, you know what I mean? And we saw in 2019 the type of impact that Brett Carey had and the type of stuff he had and just how good he was. But I thought what you saw last year, um, because Brett Carey, I mean, you look at his stats, they're really good. 2-0 and overall, 3.6 ERA. Started two games, had six appearances. He did have a save, and I think that was the one against Clemson and Greenville. But he threw 15 innings, gave up 13 hits, uh, six runs, six earned, three walks, and 18 strikeouts. So what that tells you, this guy's a strike thrower. We all know he is a strike thrower. He is going to fill the zone up. I think, though, what I saw with Brett Carey at times last year, and again, he, he never really threw bad, but I think one of the reasons he's such a great fit in the bullpen is – I think one time around the lineup, Brett Carey's stuff is phenomenal. Like, I really do. I think his hitters see his stuff more when he has to go through the lineup a second and a third time. I think that's when you saw him getting hit around a little bit. So, and, and I think Brett Carey just has that mentality. He has that bulldog in him. He has that bulldog mentality. You know what I mean? He's a guy who is going to go after his. This is a dude, this is a dude that truly believes his shit is the best. Like, you can see that in the way his moxie, the way he carries himself, the way he approaches the game. This guy is flat out, hey, here it is. See if you can hit it. He's a strike thrower. He is going to challenge guys. And again, in baseball, and you need those guys. Like, the worst thing that can happen is guys come in and, 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 and walk guys and get your team on your heels and you kill momentum. That's the worst thing that can happen. But you look at the Arsenal. I mean, Brett Carey doesn't throw quite as hard as, say, like a Daniel. I mean, he's, he's low 90s, if you will, but he's got a swing and miss slider. He's got the uh, the slower curveball, if you will. Got a cutter, which, of course, you know, the Schuyler Mead staff, uh, you know, trait is the cutter. Um, and a pretty solid changeup. I mean, it, it's another guy you're going to see work off a fastball slider and again that big looping curveball. I really like that pitch from Brett Carey. I think it's a great get-me-over breaking ball. But uh, – Again, Gamecock fans are very, very familiar with Brett Carey, and they sort of know what Brett Carey is going to give him. Now, what is his role going to be specifically? I don't know. Is he the first guy out of the pen? Is he the eighth inning guy? Does he take over the closer role at some point? Hell, I don't know. I mean, he did a good job of it in 2019. But to me, 
overall, when you look, this is the guy who has the best track record of success in this bullpen, and to me, that's why he's the best overall. Does he have the best stuff in the bullpen? Absolutely not. I don't think so. But I just think from the mental side, the way he attacks the game, the way that he attacks hitters and goes after guys, I think Brett Carey for sure um, is a guy certainly Salcon is going to lean on heavily. And the question only remains for me is like, how are they going to use him? How do they most want to use him? Be interesting to see. Um, all right, let's move into season will be successful if. And again, I've already mentioned it, but, but to me, it's pretty simple. The season will be successful for the relievers in the bullpen if Danny Lloyd emerges as a big-time closer. Because again, I don't really have any concerns or issues with like, the number of arms or the quality of arms. Like, I haven't really talked about Cam Tringali a lot. I think, again, he's going to be a major factor. Is he the seventh-inning guy? Is he the eighth-inning guy? I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's a great pitcher, and I think he's going to pitch a lot of innings for South Carolina. Parker Coyne has shown really, really good progress, and um, I really like him a lot. John Gilreath gives you that nice lefty out of the bullpen. Josiah Seitler, I've heard he's been coming on a lot, especially R.J. Danton, who was up to 91 this fall. He's a really nice player. Didn't get to pitch a lot because he was a true freshman. But he should pitch a lot. And then again, I mentioned all of these new guys. You've got a lot of guys with talent that throw hard. You do. And again, especially in the bullpen in the SEC, man, that's what it comes down to. You got to have guys that throw the piss out of the ball. <laughs> There's no hey. Listen to the conversation with Tyler Johnson. He'll tell you you got to throw hard. Bottom line, you can you know the days of Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin, they're over. Got to throw hard. You got to throw hard to get guys out in this league. Or you better have some of the nastiest shit you've ever seen. But for me, I feel good about what South Carolina has, especially, you know, again, having talked about uh, Brett Thomas. That's another guy that I thought threw pretty well in limited action last year. You've got plenty of options. You've got plenty of arms. But to me, a guy like Danny Lloyd, he needs to emerge. He needs to take that next step. And again, I know I was nitpicking his stats earlier, and it's really hard to judge him off of that shortened season because – Again, what did we play, 12 games or 16 games or something like that? Like, we really didn't get to see, you know, what he was going to do in SEC play. But the consistency and just, again, taking that next step because he has that potential. He has that potential. And, you know, in the SEC, and really just in baseball, you know, you guys have probably heard the saying in, in Major League Baseball, you're going to win a, thir a third of the games, you're going to lose a third of the games. It's what do you do with that other third? Well, that other third, a lot of that other third is determined do you have a closer that can shut down the game when it's two to one in the bottom of the ninth? Bottom line, like, do you have that guy when it's one nothing or it's five four, whatever? When it's a run run game, do you have the guy who's just automatic? I mean, think of how big Matt Price was for South Carolina. I mean, he, you could argue, honestly, I know people will say Michael Roth, which is very fair. I would probably say that too, but you could argue Matt Price was the most important piece. For Gamecock baseball in 2010 and 2011. I mean, he's not there to shut the door. They don't win a lot of those games. So having that guy is so important. And again, I, I, I know Danny Lloyd can be that guy. I know Danny Lloyd can be that guy. And again, I, I expect this bullpen. I feel really, really good about this pitching staff. Again, this is as deep a pitching staff as you've had in quite a while, honestly. Just, just the sheer depth, the number of guys that can come in and throw really good innings for you. But you need that guy at the back end. You need Danny Lloyd to be the dude. You need him to be the dude back there for you. So I think if he can do that, if he can emerge and, and really embrace being the closer and emerge as that big-time dude in the back end, 
it's going to be a really successful season for this bullpen because I, I love all the pieces. I, I love the pieces you have. Again, Kerry, Tringali, Lloyd, Coyne, Gilry, Thomas, and all the new guys. I love that. Now, you've got plenty of quality options to go to. So the question remains for me, Danny Lloyd, is he ready to take that next step? Let's move into overall grade. And like I said, guys, you know, I gave the starters an A minus. I feel really, really good about this pitching staff as a whole. Going to give the relievers a B plus. Um, give them a B plus, which again, I think is a really, really good grade. You know, you, you've still got some things to prove. Like I said, you need to be more consistent. You need to throw more strikes. But again, you you just and you got a lot of new guys. And again, this is going to be their first year playing college baseball or pitching in the SEC. So hey, the question marks remain there. But you can't question just the sheer depth and the talent you have this year. I mean, you listen to Mark Kingston talk about it. This is a dude that gets giddy talking about the options they have in the bullpen and really in their pitching staff as a whole. So overall grade for me, B+. Plus. I, I'm really excited about the South Carolina bullpen this year. I, I think it's going to be a strength, no doubt. Um, but again, you got some guys that need to answer some questions. You got some guys that are a little bit unproven that you know need, need, to, need to answer the bell. I mean, it's bottom line. You know, they, they got to step their game up. Even a guy like Brett Carey, he's got to elevate his game. Cam Tringali's got to be more consistent and throw strikes. Parker Coyne's got to be more consistent. Certainly Danny Lloyd, I've already gone uh, into detail on that. John Gilry's got to be more consistent. He, he's a really quality arm. So it's all about throwing strikes, filling the zone, being dependable. You know, they're, they're over these next few weeks in, in practices and inner squads and stuff like that, you know, they are determining – <clears throat> which guys are going to be in which roles? Who's going to be our seventh inning guy? Who's going to be our eighth inning guy? Who's going to be our closer? Who's going to be first out of the bullpen? Who's going to come in in this situation? Going to go in in that situation? The biggest thing is finding guys, again, like I said earlier, that you know what you're getting out of them each and every single time they take them out. Each and every single – that if you ask – you can ask any coach. That's the most valuable piece. It's not a guy that's a flash in the pan, can throw 100. No, it's – all right. It don't matter if it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. This is a dude that approaches the game, approaches each outing the exact same way. He's the exact same dude. We know what we're going to get out of him. Granted, hey, baseball is a game of good intentions and not always good results. So, hey, some days is just not going to be your day. Bottom line, that's, that's just the game of baseball. Some days are just not going to be your day. But either way, it's a guy who's approaching it the exact same way each and every single time out. That's what makes those guys at the pro level so good. That's what makes them so consistent. They have a routine. You know exactly, you know, you know who they are. You know what type of approach they're going to bring to the game. You know what their skill sets are, yes, of course, but the mental side, how they approach it. And again, finding those guys, your seventh inning guy, your eighth inning guy, your ninth inning guy, your first side of the bullpen, your situational guy, whoever it is, it's just making sure you know what you're getting out of each and every single guy you trot out there. Because, again, this is an obvious statement. The bullpen is going to be a major piece of this team. The bullpen is, could be the difference in this team winning 32 games or winning 38 games. I mean, really, which is a big difference. You know, 32 games, you're, you're on the edge. You might not even make the postseason. You win 38, you're hosting. I mean, literally, it's, it's that big of a difference. But I feel really confident about this group. And, again, if Danny Lloyd can just take that step, I, I think this bullpen could be lights out. Overall grade for me, again, B+. So, again, that is the position unit preview for the Gamecocks relievers heading into the 2021 season. Like I said, guys, we are just 29 days away from first pitch, and I'm fired up. Let's get your listener questions, and we'll wrap this thing up and get to our interview. Just a couple of questions here. Uh, Krusty Andy, 
What was the Bobo Helensky beef? They're both gone now. Spill the beans, Christopher. Krusty and Andy always with the hard-hitting questions. I, like, I don't think they're really – I don't know. Like, I don't think there was personal beef, man. And, and I'm so happy, honestly, selfishly, that we can finally just close the chapter on this. We can just close the book on this. This is over. And it's, it's, it's wild. I can't believe how many people still just want to continue to bring it up over and over and over and over and over again. It's over. He's gone. He's going to Northwestern. Wish him best of luck. Obviously, going to be keeping an eye on his career, but it's over. You know what I mean? So, I really, like, I know fans love to create this narrative in their head that, oh, my God, Bobo had some, some you know, negative feelings towards Ryan Helensky. He was out to get him. He gave him the shaft. Like, he got screwed over. Everybody says that. It's like, dude, does Ryan Helensky shoulder any of the responsibility in this, guys? Does he, does he shoulder any of it? Does he? Because to me, I'm more so look at it as like, wow, Ryan Helensky let a guy who had three ACL surgeries come in and take his job. That's what happened. Why are we not giving the kid any accountability? Like, I still, even guys, I know Bobo's a scumbag. I'm not a huge fan of Will Muschamp. But you just cannot reason with me. You cannot reason with me that these coaches are all sitting in meeting rooms and they're like, you know what? Ryan's the best option, but we don't really like him, so we're going to play Colin Hill. Like, that, that's, that doesn't happen. And outside of that, the amount of conversations that I've had with football people and former Gamecocks that you guys would know of, you'd know who they are, who have been around Ryan Linsky and been around both quarterbacks and been at practices, bro, they are all like, yeah, Ryan was not the best player. Bottom line. So, who? I mean, I know as a fan that might be tough to compute, but that's just what the reality was. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this without going into detail. There were on-field and there were off-field reasons that Ryan Helensky was not the starting quarterback, bottom line. And you can either accept that or you can't. That's it. You can either accept that for what it is or you can't. And again, I'm just kind of relieved, honestly. We don't have to spend an entire offseason talking about Ryan Helensky and how he should start in 2021 because he got screwed over in 2020. No, he's gone. It's over. Wish him best of luck at Northwestern. I hope he has a fantastic career. Uh, Thomas underscore Brady underscore H. I was right about Ryan going to Northwestern, but now all of the haters are mad. Uh, David underscore Barnes 76. Any word on rescheduling the USC Clemson basketball game? No, and I don't think it'll get rescheduled. I mean, you think about it. You got to make up three SEC games. You got to play Kentucky, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. And so I, I highly doubt they're going to make it a priority to reschedule that game because it's a non-conference game. Again, is it a damn shame? Yes. And I'll tell you what, if they don't play it, it's going to put a lot of pressure on baseball, bro. It's going to put a lot of pressure on baseball. It's like, all right, we didn't play him in football. We didn't play him in basketball. Damn it. We, we're only going to play him really in one sport. Hey, we need to, we need to take care of business here. <laughs> like, you know, we need, not that that series needs any more pressure, but it's like, all right, we got to take care of business. So, I, honestly, man, it's unfortunate, but I, I highly doubt they reschedule the game. I highly doubt it. Uh, last question here, Benson underscore Fleming. Is Frank Martin to blame for the inconsistency of USC basketball? You know, it's tough to say, man, because, again, I, I hate using the COVID stuff as an excuse. I truly do. But with this team and this year and everything that's going on, it, it's less of an excuse and more so just a reality. And 
you're talking about a team that you're not playing with a full deck. You know, you don't have Jalen McCreary or Alonzo Frank right now. Your coach has been in and out with COVID. Your team's been in and out with COVID. You've played five games in the last 45 days. I, I don't know, man. I, it's, I'll say this. Is he part of it? Sure. Like people, somebody's got to take responsibility. Somebody has to. But do I think it's right to just pinpoint, say, Frank Martin's 100% the reason. He, it's all on him. I'm, I'm hesitant to do that. You know what I mean? Just because of the issues they've dealt with and and dealing with the pandemic and and all that stuff. So I, I don't know, man. I, all you can hope for is that Saturday, you know, we see a better performance and you get a bounce back win and I try to right the ship on this thing. But it's tough, man, because I, I want to be critical and I, I want to talk about the games critically and talk about Martin and talk about these players. But it's like, does the season kind of feel like a wash to anybody else? Like, it just feels like, you know, you almost can't go all in on these guys because of the COVID stuff. Now, again, as we continue to play and more games get played and, you know, more of that goes out the window because it's like, all right, I mean, everybody's dealing with COVID. You, you can't just – you cannot use that as a crutch for this entire season. You just can't do it. But, uh, I mean, it's a reality. It's a reality they've had to deal with, and it's unfortunate. It's a damn shame. I said that on the show yesterday. It's, it's a damn shame because you feel like this is the best crop of talent you've had since 2017, and we're probably not going to get – we're not going to see the fruits of the labor because of the wackiness of this season. So hopefully I'm wrong. I don't know, but just putting it all on Frank Martin, I don't think is the right move, but Hey, he's the head coach. He's the one getting paid millions of dollars to put the product on the floor. So yeah, guys got to take some responsibility. So again, guys, appreciate the listener questions. Appreciate you all tuning in. Got a fantastic conversation. Tyler Johnson, former game coach closer, uh, really awesome to talk to Tyler and a guy that I think will probably be in the big leagues this season. But again, Normal week this week, of course, Daily Crow. Today, tomorrow, the podcast, of course, going throughout the week. And then Saturday, tip-off at noon. We'll preview the game, obviously, tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But uh, Saturday, tip-off at noon. I'll be doing the live pregame show, the Daily Crow live pregame show, 11 to 11.30. So if you guys want to tune into that, take in your questions, comments, everything else for the Gamecocks, take on Auburn. But guys, without further ado, appreciate you all tuning in. Enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks closer, Tyler Johnson. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks baseball from 2015 to 2017. During his career, he went 4-4 four and four with a 2.62 ERA, had 19 saves and 86 innings pitched, also had 107 strikeouts for the Gamecocks. In 2016, you remember that run with South Carolina went to the Super Regionals. He was actually named the NCAA Regional MVP and also named the All-Tournament team. In 2017, he was named preseason All-SEC by Perfect Game and preseason All-American by D1 Baseball was drafted by the Chicago White Sox in the fifth round of the 2017 MLB draft and has had a ton of success at the minor league level, 12-2 and two with a 2.27 ERA and 115 innings pitched, 169 strikeouts. If you guys didn't, guys didn't know, this guy is a hurler, throws the piss out of the ball, so the strikeout numbers are high. He's also ranked the 23rd best prospect in the White Sox organization by MLB.com and just got added to the 40-man roster for the Chicago White Sox, which means you're going to see him in big league camp this spring training. Very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks closer, Tyler Johnson. Tyler, that's a lot of accolades, man. I feel like you, you had a you had a decent little career in Columbia, I feel like. Yeah, no, I you know, I didn't even notice until you started saying. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, obviously, uh, I love playing at South Carolina, and I wish I could go back. And um, I'm glad I could help us win a couple baseball games and – um, you know, I surprised myself at, uh, you know, being a, a part of that team like I, like I was. So, 
um, you know, like I said, it was a blessing. And uh, I, I think every player would, would say that they could go back and, and do it again. They would. For sure. Now, I, I, we're going to get into your career, obviously, at Carolina. But I want you – I know you're a humble guy. Put the humility aside for a second because I want to ask you. I, I was a college ball player, was a pitcher, but I threw 80 poo. You throw like 100. So how much fun is it as a pitcher to throw that hard? I mean, I know it takes a lot of work and everything, but that's got to be fun. Uh, well, I mean, at, at the at the collegiate level, it was for sure fun. Um, <laughs> obviously, I, I mean, my junior year, uh, I think I threw like 90% fastballs or something like yeah. that. Times have changed now. Uh, yeah. Guys can uh, really catch up to that, especially, you know, when you got to be in the zone. But, uh, you know, there's nothing like to – or nothing to get you going like um, seeing a guy swing and miss on a high heater. Uh, it gets me going. It gets everybody going. So, uh, I mean, you know, it definitely helps out, but it's not the end-all sale. For sure. I, I tell people, you know, it's crazy. Guys can throw 100. No, the guys can hit 100. They know it's coming. Yeah. It don't matter. And yeah. If it doesn't move, they're going to hit it. So let, let's jump into, though, Tyler, let's go back to the beginning for you, getting your Gamecock baseball career, because, again, we were talking a little bit off air. You're a guy from the state of Virginia, and you definitely have some ties to Virginia Tech. Your family grew up Virginia Tech fans and alum, if you will. But from the state of Virginia, uh, obviously, you recruited by Chad Holbrook and that crew. Just talk about uh, your recruitment, obviously, you were a highly regarded prospect at a high school, but how did South kind of come about and what made you want to be a Gamecock? Um, well, you know, you, you kind of say, but you kind of take it for granted, you know, coming out of coming out of high school, I wasn't really a highly regarded uh, prospect. Um, you know, I, I was really looking um, at West Point and, and the Naval Academy and trying to decide where to play baseball there. Didn't, didn't really get any interest from Virginia or even Virginia Tech um vmi a little bit but so i was trying to decide what kind of route to take and um i ended up playing a tournament down in south carolina at founders park um and really uh you know jerry myers was the one that kind of headed that recruitment and and he pulled me in there and, and gave me a spiel and it was just an opportunity that i couldn't pass up um i think it was later that week i ended up committing there so um you know the recruiting process was, was a little short for me and I didn't really, you know, get out there and see what kind of big name schools I, I could, I could bring together. But uh, when South Carolina came knocking, um, especially after all the success from 2010 to even 2012, um, that was the place I wanted to be. And, and Jackie Bradley went there and uh, Jack Winecoop was, was there. Um, you know, we got a little bit of pipeline in Virginia, you know, West Clark's uh, Southern Virginia boy as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm proud of the fact that I could be from Virginia and, and come down there and help out the program. For sure. And like you said, you, you weren't the because I think you were ranked the 21st best high school prospect in the state of Virginia. Where do you feel like your biggest development came? Was it was it velocity wise? Was it simply just getting bigger and stronger? Like what was the jump for you when you got to the college level? Because obviously there was a jump. Yeah, uh, you know, I got to attribute it to just um, being more physical. Um, I got there, you know, I was about 180 pounds as a freshman, um, which isn't too bad, um, you know, being a high school senior. But when you come and you want to try to play instantly into a, you know, a Southeastern Conference team, uh, you, you got to be a little bit more grown than that. Um, and it was the realization that, you know, took me to the next level, um, that spring, my freshman spring, I pretty much just sacrificed, 
you know, if I was going to get into a game, I was going to go and play that game sore. Like I was going to go into the weight room and get the work that I had to get done. Um, so I was looking two, three years ahead of the, the time that I was at. So, um, you know, that, that was the biggest thing for me. You know, I ended up coming back uh, about 205 my sophomore year. And um, that's when, you know, you, you started seeing the jump in velocity and guys really saying that, you know, the, the stuff's a little bit different this year. So, yeah, you, you talked about that freshman year, and I want to get into that. 2015, you had a 4 7 ERA. Like I said, just seven appearances. You started a game actually for the Gamecocks, but just seven and two thirds innings, and you, you dipped your toe in it a little bit, got a little bit of that SEC taste. What was the, I guess, the biggest adjustment, if you will? Because obviously, going from high school ball to SEC ball, that is a huge step up. I mean, guys I've had on the show have said the SEC is like playing double A, like it's, it's the competition's that good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just recognizing how good those players are and how you have to execute pitches and, and keep hitters off balance. Um, I know in high school, it's like, it, it didn't really matter what pitch I went to, you know, as long as it was different in the last or, um, you know, you just mixed it up. It, it was good sequence. There's a jump in uh, location and trying to fool hitters, uh, mm. At that at the at the collegiate level, and um, you know that was something that you had to learn, and uh, it it wasn't just good enough to throw a change up in the zone. You had to set a guy up for it, and um, as soon as you realize that, and uh, you you would you'd be ready to take that next step. Is just like I said, realizing it and adjusting to it. Now, did you get recruited as a starter, reliever? Like, did you know what you wanted to do? I'm sure you just wanted to get innings. I mean, did you have an idea, though, that, like, I want to be a, a bullpen guy, a starter? Like, what was what was that like? Uh, no, I, I got recruited as a starter. Okay. Um, and, and I wanted to start. Actually, the, the transition changed. Um, that sophomore year, uh, I had thrown or started a couple – uh, a couple of spring or fall games and the one of the last fall games coach Myers came up to me and he said you're going to throw the eighth inning of this game and I just want you to, you're only going to throw one inning I just want you to throw as hard as you can uh, <laughs> and it was probably the best outing I, I've I had uh, of that fall um, and Velo was up and obviously just stuff played a little bit you know a little bit better than as it did as a starter um, and, and that's really kind of what solidified me in that bullpen. Um, and, and that was kind of the start of it, but, you know, I, I never really lost the sight that I wanted to start. I wanted to start, um, my sophomore year, like that spring. And, uh, I wanted to start coming back my junior year. It might not have been a very popular opinion, but, um, I wanted to be in the talk for that rotation, uh, with Clark and Will. Um, but, you know, uh, at that point, you kind of valuable bullpen aspect, asset, and um, you know that that's important in college baseball. Somebody that can that can come in and kind of win you those games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you saw that with South Carolina in the College World Series run. I mean, I was talking about a little bit earlier, Matt Price. I mean, where is Gamecock baseball today without? you know, him at the back end of that. Was there a moment for you where the mindset switched? Because obviously it's much different approach being a starter versus being like a closer, even just a reliever. I mean, it's, you know, you're blowing it out for three guys as a closer versus a starter, 
you know, you're kind of pacing yourself throughout the game. You got to go through that lineup two or three times. You got to be very strategic with the way you approach each hitter. Like, was there, because I know probably now, I'm sure you embrace that, but was there a moment for you where you kind of, you turn that switch on, if you will? Yeah, I mean, and like I said, it probably goes back to, um, you know, the day Coach Myers talked to me and and kind of gave that, that talk to me. It's just like, hey, you, this is what you're doing, and I just want you to throw as hard as you can. Um, uh, but also, I also go back to playing against Citadel. Um, my that, that same sophomore year, uh, I came in and didn't play well at all. I think I gave up like three runs, base clearing double. Um, you know, I, I thought it was pretty much over. And, and Brian Busher pulls me aside and is like, Tyler, you throw 95 miles an hour, you got to act like it. And, and that kind of is really what flipped that, that switch for me. Um, and, and then from then on, you know, I don't, I don't know how many runs I gave up the rest of that year, but it wasn't many. <laughs> yeah, let, let's de- let's definitely talk about that 2016 season before we get into stats and stuff like that, because you had a really good year, and again, it started to evolve where you embraced that role. You had nine saves on that year, but I've talked to a couple of your former teammates, you know, Alex Destino, Braden Webb, Will Crow, and it's funny the common theme. I think Chris Cullen maybe was on that team, but the common mm-hmm. theme with those guys is I, I've had a couple of them tell me that's the most fun year of baseball they've ever had. Like that team and that group of guys. Can you speak to that? Like, just talk about that group of dudes in that 2016 season. Yeah, just um, you know, I'd be right there with them. It, it was a it was a very fun year, um, and I've been blessed to play some some fun baseball. Um, and I, I still think about it to this day. You know, I, I feel like we were better than um, than just a super regional team. Um, I really felt like that team was uh, quite possibly the best in the country. Um, and, uh, it it was just, it was just fun. I think the guys really, you know, complimented each other well. And, um, you know, of course it's always easier when you're, when you're winning, but it seemed like a lot of stuff went our way, Mm -hmm. um, until, until Columbus state came into town. But, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with, it was like everything clicked and we hit shoot. I don't know. I mean, what did we start off SEC play like eight no ten and no yeah, something like yeah. that? I mean, it was on fire. Yeah, we were we went to Ole Miss. They were ranked higher than us. We swept them, um, and I mean, it, it was just a good time. It, mm-hmm. And then, like I said, it was we felt like we were better than how we ended, but that's baseball sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And that and that sophomore season for you, just to give people kind of an idea, three and two with a two four two ERA. You you jumped from seven appearances in twenty fifteen to twenty nine in that two thousand sixteen year. You had nine saves, fifty two innings pitched, um, fifty nine strikeouts on that year. And of course, again, like I said, in two thousand sixteen in that regional, which it's really interesting. I look back, I forgot you guys lost that first game to Rhode Island, had to come back out of the yeah. losers bracket. I think people forget that, but uh, you were named regional MVP, all tournament team, just. What clicked for you in that 2016 season? Again, I know there was a lot of development. You talked about putting the weight on, the velo jump, but, you know, it seems like it all just came together for you, and that was, you know, on paper, and we'll talk about for reasons why, your best year uh, as a Gamecock. Yeah, I I mean, really, you know, I was very mechanical, and I had very sound mechanics coming out of high school, and, and really just that missing piece would be the physical aspect of it, and, uh, once I got that and maintained my athleticism, uh, everything pretty much clicked and, 
Um, you know, I, I had a I had a good slider, I had a good change up. It was a three pitch mix, all for strikes, and there was a lot of luck that went my way, but um it, it really just clicked. It wasn't um, you know, anything that I really sat down and was like, hey, I need to change these pitches because they're not they're not working. It was more just a, a development and a and a time process. Um and, and that's really what what took me and um yeah it, it just ended up playing out for sure and let, let's talk a little more about the regionals though you were locked in obviously like I said we talked about the accolades but you guys lose and you're hosting obviously this is at Founders Park you're hosting you lose to Rhode Island Friday five to four and so what people don't realize you got to yeah. be the road team you got to be in the road dugout for you guys are the road team three of the next four games and, and just after a yeah. tough one against Duke I mean ran through you guys Definitely got your uh, your payback back to Rhode Island when you beat them twenty three to two the next time you played them. I almost feel bad for them. Yeah, but uh, then you sweep UNC Wilmington, beat them twice, ten to one, uh, and then ten to five again. You you obviously were locked in during that run. Just kind of talk about that again, losing that first game, and it's not easy. It's not easy to go through the losers bracket and find a way to win it. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, the pressure's on. We're hosting. Like you never want to lose as the host. Um, d- yeah, yeah, just talk about that 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 run you guys made. Yeah, well, I, I know that, you know, for a lot of college baseball coaches, that format isn't one of their favorites um, because you're going to get these small schools that come in and they obviously have a guy um, because they either won their conference or they had a really outstanding year because um, that's what they got to do to be in the tournament. So they usually have one guy that um, they're able to recruit and that's who they pound their innings. And that's what Rhode Island did to us. Um, you know, they, they had that starter and he, he rode them the rest of the way. I mean, I think we had a really good first inning against him or it was early. Um, and he ended up shutting us down. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, from then on, you're, you're pretty much down for the count. Um, but I remember that Rhode Island game specifically, cause I remember we were just pouring on runs and we just didn't care like <laughs> we we would have put up 35 on them if we were given a chance <laughs> like it, it really didn't matter um so yeah like you said you almost felt bad for him that was kind of what we were going for you know we um I just remember the energy in the dugout being more of like uh not even energetic it was just pissed off yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that was fun to be a part of and then uh, obviously UNCW was like highly touted coming in. I know good baseball program, really good. Yeah, program. I know everybody pretty much pegged us to lose. Um, they even, I know, I remember a lot of people pegged us to lose, even if we, you know, won our first game. You know, given just the the setup that we had. Um, so uh, to quiet their offense and their all conference offense that uh, everybody talked about was was special and you know, something our pitching staff really set out to do. Yeah, and, and something I don't want to gloss over, too, and something that should be mentioned, that 2016 year, again, people might forget, you guys won the SEC East. And, I mean, that's yeah. that's a that's a hell of an accomplishment, bro, because you yeah. think Florida, Vanderbilt, Georgia, yeah. like, you know, that you know, it's not easy. That, that's a fight at the top, and you guys were able to win it. And I think that speaks volumes, like you said, just to how good that team was. Yeah, not not only just win the SEC East, but we lost the SEC by half a game. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but the game that we didn't play was against Florida, and Adam Hill had a no hitter going into it. 
when it got postponed. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. So that half game could have been covered. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, you're right. I mean, we did win the SEC East and it just kind of got glazed over. It's just what it, what's expected. And, and of course, that's why you go to programs like that. So that you expect to win those divisions and, um, you know, hopefully have a chance to do something special. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's funny you bring that up because I think that's something that I know I fight as far as talking to fans and like, because that, that run from 2010 to 12, I mean, was obviously awesome, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, fans expect that they've come, they just come to expect that every single year. And, you know, you talk to any baseball guy and especially obviously you that you've literally worn the uniform and you've chased that, you know, that destination of going to Omaha, like people, don't appreciate like how hard it is. Like it's so hard to get there. I mean, there's a lot of other good baseball teams, obviously, especially like you yeah. guys, you got into that final group of what is it? 16 teams. When you got the super regional, yeah. you guys played Oklahoma state at your house. And uh, unfortunately, you know, lost to them five to one and three to one. They obviously had some studs on the mound, but you just got to appreciate how tough it is. I mean, it, you know, what, yeah. what Carolina did from 10 to 12 is like, it, it, it needs to be recognized as how yeah. incredible it truly was. Yeah. Especially 11. Um, I mean, that was just flat out, uh, dominance, but if you're going to talk about like, you know, how, you know, like sports that could be considered, you know, um, something that you can make a dynasty in, I I think baseball would probably be the last. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) seriously. um, It's such a random game. It's such a random game. Um, it's just, it's not football and it's not basketball. It's just you need to have nine guys mm-hmm. thrown through and not only do you need to have nine guys, but they need to be playing together. You know, it's not basketball. It's not, you have two guys and they carry you. It's, yeah. you got to have at least one through seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when's the last time an MLB team won back to back? I mean, I feel like it's been a minute, right? Two I guys. mean, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> like maybe the Yankees? Has it been that? I mean, it's yeah. been a, like like you're saying. It's just mm-hmm. it's such a random game, and the piece, especially the level you're at, which we're going to get into in just a second. The pieces are just ever changing, and you got to have that group of guys that can do it. But let's just talk about briefly that that Oklahoma State Super Regional again. You get to that point. You guys had a great season, like you said, but you're at South Carolina, and the expectation is to make Omaha, and that's what fans want. That's what you guys obviously want. That's the ultimate goal. I know it. I know it crushed you to fall short, obviously, but you look back at that season. I mean, there's got to be a lot of positives you take away and, and great memories from a season like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, Oklahoma State had – I mean, I, I just remember Thomas Hatch, who's still, still around to this day, um, throwing 95-mile-an-hour sinkers and cutters, and that's advanced. I mean, that's, that's Carmen-type, you know, pitching. That's first-round – first round s that's not something that you just breeze over so obviously he shut us down and they had a guy the next day and their offense was able to perform a little better than ours but um you know at the end of the day i remember leaving the parking lot it's like you know we did what we we could you know is there wasn't much else to say it was just um you know you you accomplished a lot and if you looked at it without much negativity it was something that you look back on and uh, you'll appreciate for the rest of your life. And, you know, still to this day, I definitely do. For sure. Let's talk about that 2017 season, Tyler, because a really interesting season. Again, the accolades poured in for you personally, 
for Gamecock baseball. I mean, like I said, you were preseason All-SEC. You were preseason All-America first team. Um, you guys, I remember, specifically were ranked fourth in the country in the preseason. And I remember people talking about they thought that could be the best South Carolina starting rotation of all time with Clark, Crow, and Adam Hill. And we all know what happened. Like, you, your, your stats, obviously, you got hurt. You were victim to it, but you went one and two, two, three, nine ERA. You had 10 saves and 19 appearances, which sucks because, I mean, you were on pace to have an incredible type of season that year. But, man, the injury bug just hit everybody. It just absolutely took everybody out. Clark got hurt. You got hurt. I think Destino got hurt. And it was like series after series after series. I know it had to be tough for you. And then it felt like it came down – every series came down to the third game, late in the game, where you'd probably be <laughs> pitching, and something happened. It, it just seemed like yeah. every weekend, weekend after weekend, just how tough and frustrating, I guess, was that season for you, obviously, being sidelined with the injury, and not just you, but a couple of your teammates, and, and having to endure that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we talk about baseball is, you know, very random. And, um, you know, like you said, you know, the injury bug hit, but not only that, it was just, um, uh, when you talk about, you know, balls going the right way, you're getting the right bounce, you're getting the right call. It just never seemed to, to fall in our lap. Um, if, if that season had turned out to where we were able to win, you know, maybe two or three more of those series and getting that playoffs, I almost would have guaranteed that we go to Omaha um, just as hard as it was. Um, In fact, those probably would have been that stretch of SEC games on Sundays was probably maybe the toughest stretch of baseball that uh, I've ever played. Um, You know, I I remember being being at LSU. I remember that um, vividly. (laughs) John, Josh was pitching or two outs and eight. I come in, get a ground ball to Madison. And uh, there's a play at first. Duke, the umpire calls him safe. He's out. They tie the game. And you're at LSU in, yeah. in a tie ball game in the ninth. And, and then going to extras, it's just. Yeah. Uh, Not much you can do yeah. there. So, but, um, you know, obviously we had a good enough team to, to win those games. And, and we felt like it. It just. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, and we were right there with you. We definitely felt like that team was a team that South Carolina would have been proud of for, for a very, very long time. That was a great team, obviously a lot of talent. Uh, if you look at who's been drafted and where they got drafted and yeah, it's crazy uh, where they'll be in the next year, two, three, um, you know, it, it just shows you that, one year of if that team was together for multiple years, like uh, if you gave us another year or two, uh, definitely, you know, something maybe would have happened, but that's just baseball. You don't, you don't, you only have a specific window. You don't have a, you only got one year with some of those guys. Yeah. And people talk about that team a lot too. I mean, you guys went 35 and 25 and 13 and 17 in the conference. I mean, it wasn't like you guys lost every single game. It literally came down to, like you said, (laughs) two or three series um and it really dated back to the clemson series with the i think it was seth Beer or whatever it just i just i don't even want to think about that guy (laughs) um (laughs) haunts gamecock fans memories but talk about the injury what was the injury specifically for you because i forgot what was the injury you suffered that year yeah so i it was actually it was a stress reaction in my humerus um so it's just a a reaction that 
your bone will have if it has too much stress, too much torque on it. Um, and it was just think of it as like a bone bruise, uh, but without any contact, just from all, just from all torque and, and throwing a baseball. Uh, and, and it was something that took a while because we had to wait for, um, you know, bone density scans to, to come back as normal uh, for me to come back. So it was extremely frustrating for me um, because you're sitting there, you're feeling good and, uh, you know, you, you get a bone scan back and it's a little bit soft. And there's, there, there's, there's nothing you can probably do to rehab that, right? I mean, that's just. No, because you just want, you don't want to aggravate it. So right. you just sit on it pretty much. It's like a broken bone. Wow. Um, that's the way we treated it essentially, um, you know, with, with time. And that's why it was like, uh, it's like you guys would ask Coach Holbrook, how's he doing? How's he doing? He's making progress. Where is he at? He's making progress. It's because it was really almost a checkup by checkup thing. Yeah. You know, it was whenever the machine said, right, right. Uh, you know, everything looks normal. Um, but once we started feeling better, I mean, I almost essentially had no rehab plan. I started, I think I started my rehab throwing. And then the next week, I think I threw against Florida <laughs> uh, tw- uh, for two innings. So it was like um, right back into it. And uh, obviously I-, I showed spurts that were very good. And then I showed spurts that were very sporadic. So um, uh, it's just the nature of the beast. You're trying to conquer something that you know puts you back a little bit, but uh, like I said, that's just why we play sports. <laughs> no, for sure. You talked about though again. You know, you fought the injury, but your game was obviously in a pretty good spot. Like I said, 19 appearances, 10 saves. I mean, 26 in the third innings, 40 strikeouts, and you were drafted by the White Sox, which we'll get into in just a second. But how you had to feel pretty good about your game at that point, right? I mean, you you were obviously when you were out there, you were pitching pretty well. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, for sure. Um, you know, I was getting the job done. Obviously, there was, I mean, still to this day, there's one or two or there are three games that that haunt me. But if you're talking in a span of however many appearances I had, would you say it was? Uh, that year it was, let's see. 20 or 19, 19, 19. 55 total in your career, yeah. 19 that if, year, though. Yeah. If you're, look, if you're looking at 19 appearances and you say, man, I really wish I could change three of them, that's – that's pretty good odds. It's called baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no. it's just um, sometimes it was just a little, little unfortunate. Um, I wish I could have done more. If I did more, we would have been in a tournament. Um, and I feel like that's the way a lot of people felt on that team. That's how you know you're you're a true competitor when you have that. Attitude. That's a good attitude yeah. to have. Serious that self accountability. But you mentioned Coach Holbrook a little bit just a second ago, and I I want to get your take on just Coach. And obviously, we know what happened after the 2017 season with him stepping down or whatever. And obviously, he's doing great things now at College of Charleston. Yeah. But your overall relationship with him, you know, all the guys I've chatted with have said, you know, he he was a stand up guy, and obviously, he was a major part of those back to back national championship teams. And for whatever reason, you know, it just just didn't work out or whatever. But your overall relationship with uh, with Chad Holbrook when you were a player and currently? Yeah, so, um, you know, as a player, it kind of grew, um, obviously, um, from freshman until when I was a junior, you know, uh, you know, he'd pull me aside and be like, hey, uh, you're our guy, no matter what, what it's going to be. Um, you know, when we're 
uh, trying to fight and scratch to win a couple of those games is just like, hey, you're going to be the one that's going to go win. We want you with the ball. Um, you know, we're going to we're going to ride. And that kind of trust for a coach to do that, you know, it meant meant the world to me. Like I said, there's two or three in there where I wish I did more. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, from a player to coach relationship, um, it can't get much better than that. Um, especially, you know, you're talking about South Carolina at SEC school. It's not like it's your local, like University of Richmond, not throw shade on University of Richmond, a great program. And one I probably would have played for <laughs> if they wanted me, but, um, but it's a big school and right. uh, to have that relationship meant the world. And obviously now, uh, you know, we remain friends and, you know, we, we talk very often and um, he knows that I, I feel very strongly about everything that he's done for me. I mean, like I said, uh, he gave me an opportunity to play for South Carolina when, you know, Virginia Tech, when they gave me an opportunity to play for them. Um, and it was pretty much down to a service academy. Uh, so do you, do you still have that chip on your shoulder? Like you guys didn't offer me, like, how dare you? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, yeah, nothing bothers. I try to think about it though. I don't think, I really don't think my career would have worked out the right. way it, it did if I ended up there. Um, so I just, uh, I'm very appreciative that I went somewhere that was new, that was accustomed to winning and made it forced me to adopt that program and and that way of thinking and, and change uh essentially my body and and everything about how i how i pitch so um and and mentally you got to be you got to be stronger so yeah. uh there, there's not really a chip there it's just i think i recognize that you know things happen for a reason yeah um, great, great perspective yeah. great perspective like you said everything does happen for a reason and obviously it all culminated with you uh, being drafted fifth round of the 2017 MLB draft by the Chicago White Sox, the team you're still currently with. Just talk about that day, man, getting the call. Obviously, that's what you fight for. That's what you dream about when you're a little kid, and you get that call from the White Sox taking in the fifth round. Uh, what was that like for you? What was that moment? Um, it was special. You know, I, um, I was able to watch it with my family and a couple of my best friends here at my house and, um, you know, Obviously, selfishly, I would have liked to have been drafted a little bit higher. Um, but, you know, the way it went with the shortened season because of my injury is just uh, teams couldn't take a risk. Right. But, you know, I, I just remember, um, you know, coming from a pretty ordinarily athletic family uh, with, with no really college collegiate athletes, um, to be able to do what I did and get drafted where I, I did. If you told me that when I was in high school, I would have took it a hundred percent and uh, it was a proud moment. So uh, came a long way uh, to get to that day. And uh, I've been trying to prove them right ever since. So we're still on that journey. For sure. And, and like I said earlier, you know, there's a jump from high school ball to sec. Well, of course there's a major jump from college baseball, no matter the level to, <clears throat> major league baseball and even the minor league level but you flourished i mean again like i said earlier 12 and 2 2.27 era um highly ranked prospect in the white Sox organization what what do you think clicked for you because obviously it sounds like you got there you got to work immediately um what were the biggest jumps in your game what did you need to fine tune adjust because i think it you know you, you can attest obviously more to this you can go in on this but 
you obviously have the skill set. It's about fine-tuning things. And those guys who are the best of the best at what they do, attention to detail, no detail left unturned, like every – the little things are the big yeah. things. But just just talk about what that was like, what jumps you had to make in your game, what you had to work on the most. Um, well, I remember specifically, like, uh, going into pro ball and that first half of that year when I first got drafted, I was pretty lackluster – um, didn't really have that great of numbers. I'm pretty sure it's like a high four ERA or something like that. And, um, you know, I went, really went into that next off season and, and focused on detail. Um, you know, I, I remember making a mindset shift to like, you know, pre-game, pre-game throwing, you know, I'm not just warming up to, to warm my arm up. I'm warming up and I'm working on something and, uh, you know, trying to make every throw count towards, towards something. And, just became very detail oriented and, you know, over time it, it ended up making that change, but it also helps, um, you know, up until I guess, I, uh, not this last year, 2018, I had a last strain and in, in spring training, but other than that, I've been very healthy. Um, and, and to play a full year of minor league baseball really helps you develop and, uh, do what you want to do. And obviously I had a healthy season last year, uh, at the alternate site and even up with the, with the big league team and summer camp. So, um, you know, being healthy and being able to work on things that I, I believe has been the key. Um, but you say fine tuning, it's just, you know, you, you can't miss if you miss guys are going to get hit it and not just miss, but if they're on balance, if you, if you, if, <laughs> if their timing's on, it's just like, even if you make good pitch, it's going to get hit. Um, so sequencing and, being able to change up three speeds, not just fastballs anymore, like it was in college. So it was a different mix. Yeah. Talk about 2020 a little bit, by the way, because again, we talked at the beginning of the show, you've been invited to the big league camp. You're on the 40 man roster. When did that happen? Cause I know for the minor league guys, obviously there was no season last year. Um, I mean, the world went haywire, right? I mean, what yeah. was 2020 like for you? When, when did you get that call? Yeah. Um, so I was in, I was invited to big league camp, um, at, at the beginning of 2020 and I was doing okay. I had one rough outing, but all the rest were pretty good. And, um, uh, I did enough to, to, I guess, impress and was able to get invited back to summer camp. So the second, second spring training, so to speak, that was up in Chicago with a shortened roster, the only 44 guys there. Um, you know, I, I got a pitch against the Brewers and obviously we had some inner squads. So it was, um, you know, and that, that took place over quarantine where everybody was just kind of, you know, <laughs> what are we doing? Um, you know, we kept getting calls saying, Hey, we're going to play. Uh, you need to be ready for this. I don't know what's to, what's available to you, but, you got to be ready. So, you know, you, you know, you got guys, professional athletes thrown in the nets, um, you know, scratching ways to find bullpens and find places that are open to, to work out or just work out at your house. Mm. Um, so people are just scratching. Um, and then after summer camp, uh, I ended up getting uh, moved to the alternate site in Schaumburg, just outside of Chicago. Um and was able to, to really get a lot of innings there and a lot of work. Um, so obviously nobody was really able to see it or there's no, uh, you know, receipt of it, but, um, 
you know, it was, it was definitely beneficial. And then um, I was put on the 40 man this December. So there's such thing as a rule five draft. It's yeah, very, yeah. very detailed. Uh, would have to go into to a lot of specifics on it, but right. um, the White Sox ended up saying that, you know, they, they want to protect me from, from going into the rule five draft and put me on that roster. For sure. So, obviously, you're a guy. You're really close to making your major league debut. Uh, what do you think? Is it just simply for you just continue to put good outings on good outings, or is it things for you that you're like, there's specific things you're working on that you're like, need to take the next step in this? Or like, I guess for you overall going into 2021, and we all have our fingers crossed that it's going to be as normal as possible. And we're going to get a normal 162 game season. I mean, I won't. I will say last year was actually pretty fun watching a. 60 game season if you yeah. know every every game was like intense but obviously we all hope everything goes back to normal like what's your mindset bro what's your mindset going in this year because you're you're right there about to kick the door down in regards to making that debut yeah. and being a dude for the white Sox. yeah uh just you know stick with the process um you know it my mindset's not outing good outing after good outing because um truthfully that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, um, you can have 10 good outings and sometimes there's just a timetable to things and right. uh, they want to see certain things develop. And other times it might just not be, you know, a spot for you until um, somebody gets hurt or, or they need you or something. And um, so really just the, the process and, and staying detailed with everything I'm trying to do, um, and not be so results oriented. It's, right. um, it's a little bit of a shift, you know, um, with obviously, you know, in, in the major leagues, it shifts to all results oriented. Right. Um, but right now it, it, it's more, um, you know, you obviously want to play well, but you want to develop, you want to become the, the pitcher that they want you to be because they, they believe that you can be a, you know, a great asset for the better part of, hopefully eight years. Um, you know, I know the White Sox are looking and set up to, to be good for the next decade. So, um, you know, my goal is to be, to be ready for the prime of that. Is there a guy that you faced that maybe when you first got out to the minors or in your time, obviously with the White Sox on the 40, man, is there a guy you faced that like fans would recognize like a, or just like a big matchup where you're like, Oh wow, that's, I mean, I know you don't you don't like to give like guys credit like that. I guess like everybody's just a faceless, nameless opponent. Like you're just out there yeah. doing your job. But like, has there been a moment where you're like, "Holy shit, that's so and so." Like, so I mean, and so? Uh, not. I, mean, really. I know. I, mean, I know you're probably not a guy to give hitters that type of credit. But I mean, well, I mean, in terms of prospects, you know, I, I face just about you know some of the top prospects of every organization being in fall league and mm. um. You know, I've, I've been around guys that the organizations have, have pegged as their next coming. So uh, I, now I say that kind of sounds cocky, but I mean, you know, it's good to be around them. But in terms of like everyday names that I guess uh, a random person would know, I'm, I'm not really sure I faced anybody. Like mm. I know when we play the Dodgers here at our complex, like, you know, guys will look for Mookie and, and mm. um but I really, I really haven't, haven't done that. But at least none off the top of my head. And right. If I have, then I'll, 
probably zoned out. <laughs> That's a, hey, it's a good way to be. That's smart. That's yeah. smart. Let, let's Tyler get back to the Carolina baseball side of things because obviously after you left, you know, the stuff with Chad Holbrook happened and Mark Kingston took over. Um, he's going into his fourth season, obviously, in Columbia. Just talk about Coach Kingston. I'm not sure. Have you had a chance to go back, meet him, you know, talk to him, whatever, and then just overall the state of the program? I'm not sure how much, if it obviously you're taking care of your business, but the uh, – the current state of Carolina baseball, we all feel really good. At least I feel good about this year's team and the state of the program and some of those guys they've got on campus. And you talked about Wes Clark. I mean, I think the dude probably would have led the SEC in home runs last year with the start he got off to. But just overall, the state of Carolina baseball, and again, with, with Coach Kingston, have you had any had the chance to meet him, have any conversations, stuff like that? Yeah, no. Um, I was in Columbia from uh, the end of 2017 – uh, all the way for the next two years. Okay. Um, so I, I was working out there and, you know, got to have a lot of conversations with Coach King and, and Coach Mead. And, um, you know, I'm extremely blessed that they allowed me in there to get some work done. And, you know, uh, I was able to use bullpen mounds and felt like home, you know. And, uh, um, and of course, Billy Anderson's in there and he's a good friend of mine. And, also a very integral part of uh, who I became. And so uh, I, I think they're building something special there as well. Um, you know, I know Coach King is very analytical and, um, you know, Gamecock baseball has made that kind of shift. And mm. that's also what the White Sox are going through right now. It's just the baseball kick um, at the moment. And it's proven fruitful for just about anybody who, who's done it and done it well. Um, so I think it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer, no matter really who it is, if you're, if you're able to, you know, stick with the guy and stay with the coach, um, that program eventually will get better. Um, you know, I, I believe that, um, it shows loyalty. So, um, you know, like you said, it's his fourth year. Um, he's got a good squad from what I've been reading. Um, some power bats, some good arms. So, uh, and, and I know that they'll have them ready to go. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I know I'm excited for it, for sure. Before I get you out of here, Tyler, we got to talk again. I'm wearing the, the Beamer ball uh, t-shirt. And of course, I know you were yeah. excited when uh, Shane Beamer got the job at uh, South Carolina. And of course, when they announced the South Carolina Virginia Tech game, I think in 2025, I know you were fired yeah. up. But, uh, I guess how cool is that for you? Again, like you said, most of your family is, Vatech alums and we all know about mm -hmm. the great Frank Beamer and now his son Shane Beamer is uh the head coach at Carolina I mean, that's got to be like wow life comes full circle almost for you yeah so it actually you know it the hire made me care about uh Gamecock football a little bit more than um maybe I already had you know I want to see Shane succeed uh really really badly mm. um obviously he's been under some of the biggest college coaches you know, of our generation, if there's going to be somebody that is going to be good for a program, it's got to be Shane. Um, the guy's young. Um, there's really no reason as to why he can't be great. And I think South Carolina, you know, some people might have thought that they jumped the gun, but, you know, I think for what could become, it, it'll pay off dividends and, and loyalty down the road. Um, so it was, but it's in terms of coming full circle, uh, I remember when that announcement was made, uh, my brother in the group chat said, uh, you know, Shane might 
might take down the house that that Frank built and uh, you know given the state of maybe uh, Virginia Tech football at the moment um, you know it's a real possibility you know if you put it that way you know Virginia Tech was good for a better for you know a good part of 15 years or so and uh, obviously Frank being who he is Shank take that down <laughs> and, you know I'd like to see it are you going to feel a little torn when the t- I mean, I guess you're Gamecock all the way, right? But I'm sure it's going to be like a split household that day. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, I'm kind of hoping my family will be there. You know, we used yeah. to go to the Chick fil A kickoff games. I remember against Alabama uh, one year, and, um, you know, we did a couple of those. And uh, in Virginia Tech fashion, they never really won them. <laughs> they never really won a big game. But, uh, uh, you know, they're just extremely fun. So I'm hoping the family goes and we can kind of make a trip out of it. Um, I will be, I will be there for the Gamecocks. So it'd be a little, a little weird. I think it might be the first time I'd probably wear, uh, uh, different colors while Virginia Tech's playing football. But, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it'd be, it'd be cool and gives me a reason to be a little more invested into what's going on. No, for sure. Well, Tyler, it's been a blast talking with you. Last question. I'm going to put you on the spot before I get you out of here. Uh, best pitch in baseball is what? Oh, it's a it's a hundred mile an hour fastball <laughs> with um, eighteen inch vertical break and twenty four hundred spin. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Right, document it. Write it down, Tyler. Appreciate you uh, taking the time, man. I, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say. It was a blast to watch you do what you did in Garnet and Black. Obviously, all the successes on the field, and obviously the dudes you are off the field, and to see what you're doing with the White Sox. And I think it's obviously just a matter of time before you uh, you join your buddy Will Crow and some of the, you know Clark Schmidt, these yeah. other guys. That it's crazy. All your teammates, your former teammates that are making you guys MLB debuts, and I, I think you're probably the next one coming up, man. So obviously, we're uh, all watching. Go ahead. Got some catching up. I got some catching up to do. <laughs> yeah. Talk to him often. It's like uh, where you at? Where you left at? behind. So I got some catching up. <laughs> No, for sure. It's been a blast, man. It's been a blast watching all you guys, and obviously I, I think we all feel good that you're probably the next one in line, and we're all hoping for a, a normal, regular 2021 MLB season, and uh, I know it's exciting stuff, but Tyler, appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon. Like I said, we'll be, uh, we'll be pulling from you from afar for sure. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. He's Tyler Johnson. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.